Our next reading is from John chapter 13. Jesus said, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. Amen. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations in our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our God, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. My grandmother knew how to host a meal. She was the one who would gather the family at her home on Christmas Eve, on Easter Sunday, on Thanksgiving, and any sort of significant family event. And usually on those big holidays, she would not only be preparing the feast for all of us to have, but she got the privilege of babysitting, too. She got to take care of my cousins and my sisters and me while my parents were next door working at the floral shop because those are busy floral holidays as well. We recognized early on what a labor-intensive process this was for Grandma because when we would get dropped off early in the morning, she was already in the kitchen getting things done. The meat was usually getting ready to go into the oven if it wasn't already there, and the pies were on the counter, and she would be busy at work. We knew she'd have a lot to do in the morning, and then there was kind of a lull in the middle of the day, but we stayed out of the kitchen that final hour. We didn't go near it, because that was when the chaos happened. From flowers to the table linens, Grandma always had everything lined up and ready to go, and it was quite a production. We knew the meal was important, and we would wait all day, allowing the smells to wave over us, listening to the clanging of pots and pans that set the mood for the day. I don't think we ever volunteered to help. I will confess that. There was no, like, how can we help you, Grandma? We played. But we waited with anticipation and hunger for the feast to come. Usually the holidays were long working days for our parents, and so by the time they arrived, we were thrilled and so filled with excitement. Nobody ever entered my grandparents' house through the front door. In fact, I'm not sure I ever walked in the front door. I think we played with it now and then. But everyone always came in the back door, and we always entered right where the kitchen was. And so when our parents finally got off work, they would enter into the kitchen and my mother and my aunt would stay to help in that chaotic final hour. And in that final hour, all of our senses would become alive. Our eyes could see the turkey or ham now out of the oven. We would smell its goodness. We would hear the sizzling and also the beater as it was whipping together the whipped cream and the potatoes. And left our taste buds waiting with anticipation to experience it all. And our bellies so thrilled to be filled. We put a lot of attention on food. The meal, the details of the dishes are so significant. If grandma didn't have her spinach dish on the table, we were mad. And we let her know it. And it seems that the meal is the centerpiece of our entire event. Today, books are written about the importance of meals, what it means to sit down with other people and not only share in food, but fellowship, and how important it is to our relationships to eat together and to eat with others. Meals shape us, 
They shape how we get along with others. They shape our lives. Think for a moment about meals in your own life, significant meals that you shared. Maybe the nightly meal you had around your dinner table growing up or the ones you continue to have today, or maybe those meals on special occasions or at weddings or funerals, times where you gather with family and friends. I bet you don't remember the food too often, but you might remember the conversation. You might remember those meals because of the communication that was shared and the relationships that were built and the overall sense of who you were being established around that table. Well, tonight, we gather around tables. Tables are actually gathered around us. And we remember a meal that was shared so long ago by Jesus with his family and his closest friends. In our readings that we just heard this evening, we don't hear many details about the meal that is prepared, although we know it was the Passover. Those details are described in the book of Exodus telling how to prepare the bread or how to prepare the lamb. But in our story for this evening, we didn't hear any of those details. They were excluded. Instead, we heard about the preparation, finding the room, gathering together, having feet washed, eating and celebrating. The details contained in those lessons let us know of the significant relationship that Jesus shared with his disciples. It includes some of the conversations Jesus has with, with Peter and with Judas and the rest of the gang, letting us know that while that meal was central to what happened that evening, it was really the fellowship that happened around that table that made the biggest difference. You see, because I believe that the disciples were hungry that evening, but the true nourishment that they found wasn't in the succulent lamb that they would eat, but instead the words and guidance that they were given from Jesus himself. What makes a meal really sacred, really important, usually has little to do with the food. It is what happens around the table. This was the case for Jesus and the disciples, and it is true for us as well. Week after week when we sit at our own tables, or week after week as we gather around this table, our family of faith's table, where we share a meal together. There are just a few photographs that have been taken of those family meals that we shared around my grandma's table. There's one in particular that I remember well. I think I have a really bad perm, and I'm wearing plaid, and I'm leaning back with my hands on my stomach to indicate how full I am with a big smile on my face. And I look at that picture, and usually my eyes focus on my cousin and myself because we were always getting in trouble at these meals. We were the youngest, so you know who we were. We're at the end of the table barely getting in, and someone was always giving us a stern word. My eyes gravitate to myself, but then I start to look around at the other people at that table, and those stories and that picture tells me something different. When I look at the people in the pictures, I see something more. I see sorrow underneath those smiles. 
because as much as I want to believe that all my family meals were so spectacular and terrific, the truth was our family was broken just like any other family. My grandmother struggled her entire life with depression and mental illness. And both her and my grandfather, although they were loyal to each other and married, I think, over 60 years, had a difficult marriage. When I look at the pictures, I see a feud between brothers. I see sisters who are missing because they quit coming to the family gatherings long ago. And I see a family where the mom has a favorite. In fact, she sat right next to him at all those meals, and dad had a different one. And yep, sitting right by his side. Here we were, a family coming together, but each of us had an untold truth. Each of us had our own pain, and in that moment of celebration, while we focused on the meal and we focused on the food, we left out talking about the hard stuff. We allowed that stuff to remain to the side for that particular day, and I don't know how often we would have dared to risk to talk about our true hungers, our true longings for our relationships to be mended, to be made different for forgiveness and reconciliation to happen, for love to be experienced around that table instead of just food and fellowship. I'm pretty sure that the disciples probably ate too much in that meal long ago. They don't have any photographs of them with their bellies out, although many artists have tried to paint those pictures so we can get some sort of idea of maybe what it looked like. But I am sure that those disciples were hungry, hungry for something other than food, hungry for love, hungry for guidance, hungry for forgiveness for the things that they had done and the things that they were about to do, hungry to be with their leader, Jesus, just a little longer, hungry to know the details about the days and weeks to come, and hungry to stay as safe as they might have felt on that particular night before everything was about to change. On the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus fed his disciples. And he fed them in a number of ways. He fed them by getting down on his hands and knees and washing their feet. He fed them by touching them with his hands and wiping away the dirt and grime with hands of love, not hands of obligation. He fed them with compassion as he gave them words to live by. Love one another as I have loved you. He fed them when he broke open the bread and took, told them, this is my body given for you. And he fed them when he poured out the wine and said, this is my blood poured out for you. He fed them with forgiveness that would stay with them in the days to come. As I think about the world today, I realize that I too am hungry. Not for food, I had a good dinner tonight. But I'm hungry for the sake of our world. I'm hungry for people to know that they are welcomed at this table. That there is no sin, no barrier, no personality trait that might keep you from being welcomed in the house of God, in God's family. I'm hungry for families to gather together to talk about real issues and real conversations. I'm hungry for forgiveness to be the way in which we lead our lives. 
I'm hungry for those of us who have had rifts in our own families to dare to sit down together during Easter perhaps this year and to talk, really talk. I'm hungry for feuding brothers and squabbling sisters to be willing to look inside themselves and confess what they had done and to be willing to say, I forgive you too. I'm hungry for love and service to be at the forefronts of our minds. And I'm hungry for us to feed one another with what Jesus gives us. Aren't you? Aren't you hungry for healing? Aren't you hungry for our neighborhoods and our schools to be united in love? Aren't you hungry for a different truth about our world than the ones we hear about on social media or through politicians or news reporters? Aren't you hungry for transformation and change? When I was about 10 or 11 years old, I sat at another table with my other grandparents. It was a different table. It was located at the Augustana Nursing Home downtown Minneapolis, and it was where my grandfather lived at the time. I actually never ate at that table, but I would gather weekly with my grandmother as she would feed my grandfather pureed food because he was too ill to feed himself. And though I never had food there, I was fed fed by my grandma's love, fed by my grandfather's trust, fed by their example of how to live lives that loved each other and allowed Jesus' great commandment to love each other to be reflected. Indeed, at that table where there was no food for me, I experienced the greatest nourishment of them all, love shining as an example for me to follow. So tonight, we will feed each other, following the example of our Lord who allowed his body to be broken for us, who allowed his blood to be poured out for us. We will feed each other with bread and wine. We will feed each other with the gifts of our Lord, his love and his forgiveness. And I pray, as we feed each other tonight, that all our hungers might be satisfied, that we all will be fed. Amen.